of the attributes of God dealing with his eternal nature. This will be the 22nd in a series of messages on the whole counsel of God. I invite your attention to, first of all, in the way of introduction, to the 50th Psalm and verse 21. Verse 21, I want to take a thought out of this. We're going to pass, but it might be asked a question. Pastor Gables, um, why in the course of your messages are you spending the length of time that you are on the nature of God? And it's found in this answer from this verse here. In Psalm chapter 50 and verse 21, Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. I was at a conference some two years ago, and I heard one of the most well-known ministers in the United States stand on the platform and make this statement. He said that the more he studied the Bible, the more he was coming to the conclusion that God was just pretty much like he was. Oh, now, I don't understand what Bible he's studying, because the more I studied the Bible, the more I see the immense difference between God and myself. And I think that it is because that this generation has a conception of God that is not re the revealed God of the Bible, that we have sort of a humanistic God, that he's a God much like you and I are, but he isn't. His ways are not our ways, and his ways are far beyond our ways. And it's because of this that we need to, in laying the foundation uh, for our series of messages that we're trying to review the nature of God and what kind of a God he is and then build upon this the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now turn to Psalm chapter 90. The 90th Psalm is the text that we'll use today on speaking of the eternal nature of God. Beginning in verse 1, Psalm chapter 90 and verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. And I invite your attention to the second verse, which says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God is an eternal God. Now, Pastor Gables, what do you mean when you use the term eternal? What are you speaking about there? How would you define the word eternal? An eternal means of infinite duration, that is, it's everlasting. In contrast, time is defined as this, it's of limited duration. We can define time as past, present, and the future. Yesterday I did something, today I'm doing something. If I have a future and there is yet time, then it shall yet be. But eternity is not that. Eternity is absent of time in the sense that eternity has no past, present, or future. It is ever present. And as God, as we found out in our last week's sermon, 
that God is infinite. He is not bound as to one locality. So in reference to time, God has no beginning or no ending, and thereby he's not limited or bound by time such as you and I are. We can also illustrate eternity like a river that flows into the sea. As that river is constantly moving in succession, and yet the sea is always there. And so time is continually moving in succession, but it's flowing into the sea of eternity. And beloved, you and I are creatures of time. We have not always been. And God created us, and we are successively flowing into eternity moment by moment. And soon time is going to be no more, and we're going to have to deal with an eternal God. But before the mountains were ever brought forth, or before there ever formed the earth and the world, God has been from everlasting to everlasting. Now, can you establish this? Does the Bible establish that God is an eternal God? Turn now to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, and verse 14. When God would reveal himself unto his chosen people, the people of Israel, he would uh, give them these words in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. Moses wanted to know by what authority he would have to go and claim that he was speaking for God. And verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Notice he did not say, I was or I shall be, but he says, you tell them that the great I am, which means the eternal God, is the one who has authorized you to come and to speak in my name. So God is not a God of past, present, or future in the sense that you and I are creatures of time, but he is an eternal God without beginning and without ending. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, and verse 9, we read these words. Daniel, chapter 7, and verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. And that term, ancient of days, has reference to God. Now notice it does not say that God is ancient in days. I can look out upon some of your faces and begin to, even on my own, and I can see that some of you are beginning to get ancient in days. That is, that as the days wear on, the wrinkles began to show up. And I guess that's one of the great uh, discouragements, isn't it, when they first began to... Uh, to come and then you can't do anything with them. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. But that is, as we grow older, we become more ancient. That is not true of God. He's not ancient in days. He's the ancient of days, meaning that before days, that is, periods of time ever had a beginning, God was ancient. That is, he was the eternal God. He was not ancient in days. He's not ancient through days, but he is called the ancient of days. That is, he, he pre-existed prior to when days or periods of time ever began. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and verse 8. Revelation, chapter 1, and verse 8. 
the Lord Jesus Christ is given this title. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha and the Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek, Grecian alphabet, that is, and so forth. And the Lord is described as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the eternal, ever-present God. Well, what then, in the light of these texts, does this establish? First of all, it tells us that our God is not a temporary God. Now, we see many individuals that come on the scene and they make a great following. That is, great men have uh, come on the scene, they have following, and then when they die, they pass from the scene. If you'd study ancient history, you'd find that great civilizations have had their great gods. And those gods were looked to and prayed to in the same way that you and I as Christians pray to our God. But those gods had a beginning. Before the Roman civilization began, there was emptiness there. But when it became great, they had many great gods. But when the civilization went down, the gods went down with it. Now, beloved, our God is not a God of time whereby he's going to be popular today and then he's going to be out of date tomorrow. This shows us the fallacy of the so-called theologians a few years ago at Emory University which claim that God has now died. Well, that's because a man could come up with a thought like that is because his views of God is that God is such a person such as you and I. That is, he's a creature of time. He has a beginning and he has an ending. And for all practical purposes, that individual has no God when he would say that God has has died. God is an eternal God without a beginning and without an ending. He is not a temporary God limited to time and space. And if this be true also, then another thing this text establishes is that God is the creator of both time and matter. When God spoke, the heavens and the earth came into existence. And when God spoke, time began to roll off in succession, as you and I are familiar with. So that in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, before the Apostle Paul would ever present the gospel to this particular congregation, he would first of all impress upon them that God was the Creator. And, beloved, before we will ever really have a thorough grasp of what Jesus Christ has done for us in the gospel, to where we will appreciate it, we must first of all see what kind of a God it is that we're dealing with. So in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, Paul would tell these philosophers here on Mars Hill, speaking of God, for in him we live and move and have our being. We did not create ourselves. We did not just begin with ourselves, but the eternal God that existed before matter and that existed before time is the creator and the author of you and I and of time. You say, well, what effect does that should that have upon me then if God has created me? Beloved, because the same God which created you is also the same God which sustains you And it's the same God which is going to judge when your existence on this earth is going to cease. 
In other words, you don't control your own existence. The eternal God that was there before you existed as a human being shall also exist after your time period ceases, so that you don't have the bull by the horn, so to speak. You are not master of your ship, but there is an eternal God which is in control of all, and he created not only matter, the heavens and the earth, but he also created you, and you are in his hands. Even though it may be a simple, yet it is a, a, a deep truth, as the little song that was popular some 15 years ago, he's got the whole world in his hands, and that includes you and I. And that ought to bring a reverence and a fear as to how then we react to this eternal God. Someone raises the question, well, Pastor Gables, why doesn't God do something about the situation that exists today? And may I simply answer like this, God's in no hurry, he's an eternal God. And one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. God is not a creature of time. He does not have to just act when we think he must act, and do when we think uh, something must be done. But he is the creator of both time and matter. Well, what are the applications then of this, Pastor Gables? If God is eternal, then how can this affect our lifestyle and the way that we conduct ourselves week in and week out? First, it ought to impress upon every man, woman, boy, and girl, and I hope you young people will listen carefully for a second. And that's this, the brevity of your life. Young people, your life is not going to last long. In relation to an eternal God, our life is very brief. And what we must do with it, we must do now. Because we're going to have to soon enter in to give an account of ourselves before that eternal God. Do you realize, beloved, that your life is a constant change? Do you know that in your body right now, I forget how many thousands of cells are dying every second, and how many thousands are reproducing themselves to sustain your existence, but do you realize that with every tick that, that comes off of the clock, you're changing? Now, you may not see that right at the present, but you are changing, and all you have to do is go and look in a mirror every so often, and you can see the result of what is taking place moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. Your life is a con continual, constant change. And that isn't just true in the physical realm of in connection with your body, but in your lifestyle, your homes, your jobs, that which you think is going to be permanent. Beloved, are we not made to see how insecure it actually is? You may think, well, I have good health now, but go down here and visit the hospital and you'll soon be able to see that if it were not but for the mystery of the all-wise God, your time will soon be there. That individual which comes into my home with a strong body uh, on a Tuesday now lies in a hospital bed critical on Sunday. You see, life is a constant change. And it is continually a succession of events. You may think, well, I have my job and I have my family, 
And all of these things shall be around me forever. But, beloved, that is not the reality of life. Only the eternal God doesn't change. Your life is continually changing. You parents, you see it in your children. You see them grow. You see them taking on new characteristics, new attitudes, uh, new outlooks in life. They graduate from school and they leave for college and they come home just a few months later and they have, you can tell a great change has taken place. Life is a continual change of events. It is like a watch. You wind up this watch and it does one thing, it runs down. And beloved, the first breath that you take in this life that God imparts life unto you in your physical body, from that time on, your physical life is running downhill. Man that is born of woman is born of trouble. And his only goal in the physical realm in relation to his body is the grave. Yes, he may take on great periods of strength, but every time his heart beats a beat, it's a beat closer to the grave. Oh, the brevity of life when we compare our life in contrast with the eternal God who never had a beginning and shall never have an ending. Our life is such that we cannot recall our past. Are there not some things in your life that you'd like to recall? Are there not some things in which that, like we hear in the paper ever so often, uh, General Motors or Ford, after they put out something on the assembly line, why, they have to recall those automobiles and bring them in and repair. Aren't there some things in all of our lives that we would like to recall and say, I'd like to do that over again because I made such a mess out of it? But we can't do that, beloved. When something happens, we cannot recall the past. And because we're creatures of time, we cannot ensure the future. We can't recall the past and we can't ensure what's going to happen this afternoon. Now, I have plans for this afternoon. They're laid out. But I have to recognize I must approach them as God says in the book of James, if the Lord will. That is, I cannot ensure my future. I cannot recall my past. Therefore, it is only an indication to me how brief and how insignificant my physical life is here. Man is likened in the Bible unto a worm in the book of Job. That is, an in, uh, a little insect or whatever that we want to call it that cannot even survive a winter, hardly. One winter and the worm is gone. Man is likened in the Bible unto, as unto a flower that withers when the sun comes up. He blooms with the morning dew, but as the sun comes up, he withers and passes away. Man is likened unto the Bible as unto a vapor that appears on a window and then it vanishes as quickly as it appears. Man is likened in the Bible unto smoke that is there for one moment and then it soon disappears, is dissipated by the air currents of the universe. Oh, now these are all to bring us into focus that we are not God. We are creatures of time and that God alone is the eternal God and therefore, we must give an account of ourselves, our stewardship, as to how we use our time in this life. Now, our text back here in the psalm said this: these words, that a thousand years were unto the Lord like as yesterday. 
and yesterday like unto a thousand years. I was found, thought it was interesting this past week when I was reflecting upon this statement that the oldest man who ever lived in the Bible is named Methuselah, and he lived 969 years, which in the comparison here, he didn't even live a day as far as the eternal God was concerned. Now, you, young people, you may think, well, I've got 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years left here. You may or you may not. But what are those three score and ten years in comparison with the eternal God? Suppose you live as long as Methuselah, 969 years. What is your lifespan in comparison to the eternal existence of God? Yes, when we would ask, Oh God, fill my cup, fill it up. And we're made to see just what a great and eternal God he is and thereby he's not bound or limited by time such as you and I are. I often comment to my wife, Oh, that I could make better use of my time. I don't have enough time to do this. It seems like that this endeavor that you undertake, uh, you cannot fully complete it because this over here must be taken care of and it seems like that there isn't enough time to get done all that needs to be done. But beloved, do not put God in that straitjacket. Do not put God in such a capacity that he's sitting up there in heaven in a rocking chair and he's bound by his own creation. That is, he'd just like to do a whole lot of things, but he just doesn't have time to do it. No, my friend, the eternal God is one who is not limited by time, and the infinite God is the God who's not limited by space. So what then in closing should this have upon your life as one here this morning in light of this? First, if you're here without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then may God's Spirit impress this truth upon you that you are but like the sea of time flowing into eternity. And that however long your lifespan is here, whether it be but a few minutes as some, or whether it be by many, many years, hundreds of years as some have been privileged to live, let it be impressed upon you that soon you're going to flow into the arms of an eternal God. And there you must deal with him in your stewardship here in time. If you're here without Jesus Christ, do you think you're going to escape this eternal God? Do you think this God is going to die off and then maybe you will not then have to give an account of yourself to him? You may think, well, maybe this God will pass away. Maybe this is your hope. But he is not a God like the gods of the Romans or the Grecians. He is the eternal God of heaven and earth who existed before the mountains ever came into existence. And, beloved, you're going to have to give an account of yourself unto him. If you're here as a Christian, that is, if you're here today and you recognize this, that your lifespan is short, then, oh, I would set forth the great principle that work now because the night is coming when no man shall be able to work. If you have talents that God has given you to serve him and his vineyard, utilize those talents now. 
You may think, well, I have a whole lot of time to do that. How many have said that? How many young people have said, well, I'll settle down one of these days and serve my God, but now then I have to get some of the pleasures out of time. And they have never come to that period. Their life has been taken and they've been called to meet an eternal God. In light of this, then I think it's incumbent upon each of us that we see that we are but creatures of time and we're going to have to give an account of ourselves before God, whether we be converted or unconverted. And then when we have to do that, we'll have to come and fall before his mercy and say, Lord, while on others are calling, do not pass me by. Fill my cup, Lord. Do it now. Lord, help me to rejoice in my salvation now while I am yet here in time because I recognize that I am soon going to have to enter into that place where time clock shall no longer be that the eternal God rules and reigns. Let's stand.